Howdy, y'all! Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. This is my podcast. You made it. Thanks for being here. Got Sam Thomas on the show today. Sam Thomas is a recording engineer, producer, location audio guy. Does it all, man. He also produces this podcast. But I had Sam in because we had some stuff to talk about, both local. Uh, some things have been going on in town. We talked about the the fire that happened at Standard Knitting Mill. Dug into that a little bit and then uh, revisited some of the old fires that have happened around here. We talked about that, but we also caught up about what Sam has been working on since the last time he was here, which has been about a year, I think, somewhere in that world. So you know, every now and then we got to have Sam in because he's the most talented dude I know. And uh, to hear his take on the state of the music industry uh, locally and abroad is uh, it's always good to hear. So I'm glad we had him in. I hope you guys enjoy our chat. Let's get to it. It's my chat with my man, Sam Thomas. We're doing the podcast. Dude, how long have you been in Knoxville? Uh, July of 2018. Okay. So going on year four, is it? Yeah. Something like that. I'm trying to think. Is this your big, uh, the the first big uh, fire that's happened in, in Knoxville since you've been here, the standard knitting mill thing? I saw that on the news. I'm wondering. Um, it's a vacant building, very large building. Yeah. Have that, you shot there before? No, I haven't. We we filmed there in uh, 2018, I think. And, I mean, it's almost 500,000 square feet of empty warehouse space. That's like, uh, like what is that place in Atlanta? Pullman Yards, I think is the name of it. There's really? been so many movies shot there. And people just rent it out and, and use it, but it sits empty all the time. Mm-hmm. So the, the fire in the in the standard knitting mill yesterday, Sunday, it looked awful from the uh from the street. If you were on Hall of Fame Drive, it looked like the whole building was on fire. We had a big text thread, email thread going on, but it looked like, you know, it's like, okay, standard knitting mill's gone, total loss. And then I drove by it this morning after I dropped my kids off at school. And it's not as bad as I thought it was. So there's like two main parts of standard knitting mill. One of them where the loading dock is, it's kind of the east side of the building near where the old baseball park was. There's a loading dock and it's two floors high right there. And that goes on, you know, for maybe a hundred yards, maybe less. And then it turns into a four or five story building at that point. And that makes up like two thirds of the footprint is five stories tall and so the part that caught on fire was the two-story part uh and and just like one side of it one corner of it i would say 10 percent of the square footage of the whole building was engulfed in flames or at least burned so when i saw it this morning i was surprised because i thought the whole thing was just going to be ashes when i drove by but it wasn't. It was just like the east side of that two-story part where the loading dock is and all that. Yeah, I'm looking at this video right now of that corner that you speak on and like that whole top. The roof is yeah, on fire, it, right? The roof, the the side of it's kind of falling over. Yeah. So it said that there was a fire earlier in the day and three people ran from the building and they arrested them. One person was apprehended by 
Knoxville Fire Department and two people were apprehended by the Knoxville Police Department. And so, you know, anytime a building catches on fire and burns down, especially an empty one, you you gotta, you know, you gotta wonder what what happened. Was it, you know, was it arson? Was it insurance fraud? And, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I I almost give him like the benefit of the doubt on this one because, you know, it's cold and it seems like it, it seems like when these fires happen and we've had a couple of these other fires over the last 10 years and they all happen in the in the winter time. And so it, for me, it's very plausible that people were living in the building or trying yeah. to stay warm. It makes sense. I mean, an empty building where nothing is going on. Yeah, like a great drug den. They said there was a couch that was on fire that kind of like started the whole thing. So yeah. that also kind of well, points towards somebody. I, just, I think that was earlier in the day. That was the first one? That was the first one that was like in the afternoon or early afternoon or something like that. <clears throat> and they put that one out. But then later on, a second fire erupted. And that was the one that really did the most damage. So it's like unfinished business, you know, what were they trying to burn it down? And boy, that's pretty bold to like go back, you know, a couple hours later after the building's been, you know, cleared and everything and start another fire. I wonder if it was the same person. I don't know. They arrested three people when they were, when they were out, when, you know, Hmm. when they came and I'm sure they cleared the place when they, when they put it all out but man i'm telling you this place is so enormous it's the biggest building i've ever been in, yeah, in my entire I read, life i read about it and it was it was like the underwear capital like all the underwear was made in the early <laughs> 1900s did was, you it was <laughs> did you remember do you remember when brandon bruce was on the podcast this was last year sometime uh it was that double double episode we did with uh, mm-hmm. the knoxville entrepreneur center and brandon bruce who's a philanthropist and uh somebody who is you know trying to do big things for our city he's he's uh part of the uh soccer club that's coming to town that's going to play at the baseball stadium nice uh but his uh his whole deal uh that he was talking about on the podcast was that uh standard knitting mill should be turned into uh an underwear museum (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was uh like a tourist attraction yeah it was the underwear capital of the world Right. We most underwear anywhere was made here. They produced there was four thousand employees and they produced over one million garments per week. Woo wee. It's a, a lot of britches. A lot of drawers. <laughs> yeah. But it, I, I, I was just reading about it and I saw that in twenty nineteen, um, there was the people that uh transformed underground Atlanta. Hmm. Some group out of South Carolina was uh I don't know that they purchased it but they were trying to bid on a purchase to make it into a mixed use kind of like the last thing i heard was that a group out of south carolina yeah that's why owned it oh they did so they did get it i think so yeah so Um, i was under the impression they were going to make it into residents and shops and stuff like that you know restaurants yeah so like the 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 underground atlanta it was that uh, like derelict space that they turned into like shopping and all yeah, that. It's it still was, in a pretty rough part of town, right? No, it's downtown. Oh, is it? Which is kind of a rough part yeah, of like, town. Yeah, like I said. <laughs> five points. Yeah. Not little five points, but regular five points. Um, it uh, it was right there, and it's like you kind of go down some stairs, and you go underground. And, and there's and, shops and stuff, right? Yeah, there's bars and shops and whatnot. And 
I don't know. It just wasn't doing very well. And I know that the underground wasn't. Yeah. And then, then this group came in and like revamped it. Really? So, when was that? Oh man, that was probably in the early 2010s or something. Okay. Cause last time I was at the underground, I was a kid. Oh yeah. It was way after that. Okay. It was, it was f- fairly recently, but it was the same group that purchased the standard knitting mill that had re that's re- what I read. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. That had redone the underground. Yeah. What so, was the, what, how did that go? The underground part? Well, was, I don't, did it get better? I believe so. Yeah, I don't live there anymore, so I'm not sure exactly how it's doing now. But um, I think it is a thing when it wasn't a thing before they touched it. Gotcha. So, have they done anything else that you know of? It's not the same people not, who did like Ponce and all that, right? I, I don't think so. Because I think Ponce is the Chelsea Markets people. Yeah, but if they were to do Warehouse something Row. like Ponce City Market here in this building, that would be so awesome. That make a lot of sense. Oh, wouldn't it, it? it would be great. I mean, the 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 format of the warehouse it can be you know divided into so many different things. Oh my so. gosh, man! It, I mean, a half a million square feet, pretty mm-hmm. much. It's enormous. Mm-hmm. Four or five stories. They're, they started doing something like that at that Marble City Mar- Marble Market Street. What is that Marble Marble City Marble Market? City Market? Yeah, so, yeah, where the food hall is now. Yeah, so that's kind of like uh like a mini version of uh, Ponce, the Ponce City Market. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is I think is a great idea. I mean, you got your little beer stores there, you got your breweries, you know, you got your uh, there's a butcher there. No, I'm, I'm speaking about the one in Atlanta. Yeah, um, lots of different things, eateries and shops and high end uh, furniture stores and. Hat, have you, hat have you been to Chelsea and, Markets in New York? I have not. Same same deal, and I think it's the same people. And so it was the one in in Chattanooga that they did. I think it's called Warehouse Row. Could be wrong about that. I mean, if you think about it, like that's the best thing to do like it's a good model and it looks cool because it's old yeah and like with all the white flight of the you know 80s or 90s or whenever all that happened and everybody started to move out to the suburbs Mm -hmm. and all that it left a bunch of buildings st louis is a good example of like all these beautiful enormous buildings that got left behind yeah pond city market in atlanta was uh sears roebuck back in the day and then it sat for a while and then the city got it and it became city hall and then city it, hall is in like they actually moved offices in it was city hall in atlanta yeah really and then uh and then that they moved somewhere else and it sat again for empty and then they came in and it, that was the whole time where they were beefing up the the greenways and the belt line and all that yeah. and now if you look at it now it's like it's amazing. Well, it becomes like a, a little epicenter that stuff springs up around, right? It Absolutely. becomes this center yeah. of commerce. Lots of, uh, I mean, the Beltline and, and Greenways are so important for running and skateboarding and bicycling and doing all that stuff. And then they just set up restaurants and breweries all around it, not just at the Pont City Market, but everywhere. Yeah, there's so, a ripple effect. Yeah. It's going to be like, a once it's complete, it's like a 22-mile loop around the city that was just on old railroad tracks oh yeah uh what what do they call it rail to something rail to trail or something like that yeah it's it's pretty awesome i think you can get grant money for it i bet you could yeah i used to live in park ridge which was right over on the other side of the standard knitting mill and ever since i moved there you know there's rumblings about what it was going to be and are they going to build a baseball field back where the old baseball field was and spring up and put breweries in the standard knitting mill and all that but then the more you look into it over and over again it seems like just such a gigantic undertaking that it just i mean it have to go it have to be 
so successful to make a lot of sense, especially if you're going to do it all in one whack. So this empty derelict building has just been sitting there forever. And like when we, when we shot there, I didn't see any vagrancy. I didn't see any homeless people in there, but we were, we were there for a couple days beforehand because we had to build a set inside of it. Was there a bunch of graffiti or anything like Tons that? Tons of graffiti, yeah. gorgeous graffiti. Mm-hmm. I mean, like really good stuff, but it was creepy because I mean, think about how big that footprint is. You're a long way from some windows if you're in the middle of that thing. Mm-hmm. So there are, you know, tens of thousands of square feet of that thing that are completely dark in the middle of the day that you can't even see. And so it was creepy to even like venture out from, you know, the the puddles of light that would, you know, stream in and die, you know, from a window. Uh, but I mean, people could have, th- there could have been people living there the whole time w- that we were shooting and we would have had no idea because I it's bet so there, dark. I'm sure there was. Yeah. I'm sure there were too. And, you know, we came into their house for a couple of days and, and <laughs> took it over and all that. But did, did you have anybody like uh, watching everything? We did. We had uh, we had security and a, a f- like police officer detail outside, but they weren't inside with us. I mean, like it was a multi-day shoot, right? Well, no, it was a one day shoot, okay. but load in and load out took, you know, two days to load in and a day to load out. Mm. So we were we occupied the space for, you know, a few days and I was there, you know scouting and and you know overseeing the load in for for a day or two and uh, never felt unsafe but i remember we were standing on the loading dock after a shoot you know how shoots are you get so excited you got adrenaline pumping you just did something crazy awesome and we were standing out on the loading dock as everything was like loading out we still had a bunch of a bunch of folks that were inside loading out but our time was up with the security and they left the cops left all of them went away while we were standing there on the loading dock. And that's when it kind of started to feel creepy. It's like, wait a second, we're not really protected anymore. We're just a, we're just a, you know, a crew of people standing out here in the <laughs> dark, you know, lighting our way with, uh, lighting our way with generators and, and, you know, motion picture lighting just to like see the walkways through the place. And, you know, anything could have happened. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I would love to think that people were, just trying to stay warm but the fact that there were two fires in the same day and one of them could have easily without the right response from the great people at the knoxville fire department and the knoxville police department i mean that could have been a total loss and after a couple of other fires that we've had in town over the last 10 years it's like it's almost like burning to the ground is kind of the best thing that could happen to these places if you're a developer yeah no i mean that's 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 the thing that you're (laughs) that's the wonder was it some homeless person that did that that was just trying to keep warm and they got spooked and they ran or was it somebody that you know was trying to burn it down for the insurance purposes yeah who knows who knows or greased a greased a vagrant's palm for you know to the tune of five thousand dollars and said Go burn this sucker to the ground, <laughs> you know. And I, I, I I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a, a person who wants to think the worst or anything like that. But I mean, it seems like this stuff continues to happen, and it continues to be advent, advantageous to the people who, uh, who own it. Because I mean, I'm certain they can use insurance money to clean that mess up, mm-hmm. whereas they were spending their own money to clean up right right exactly and like the 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 two other fires that i'm thinking of that i personally saw with my own eyes 
uh, were, I guess, first was the, I think it was called the McClung Warehouse on Jackson Avenue. And I saw that thing burn twice. And the first time was in like, I want to say it was probably 2006, somewhere around there, the the McClung Warehouse is on Jackson Ave. Mm-hmm. And I I pulled up in, in my truck and sat outside and watched the firefighters fight it. And it was amazing. I actually have a photo of that somewhere. But uh, regardless, they you know it was it was a partial loss, and they had to wreck like half of it. But then, like a few years go by, almost almost ten years go by, I think, and it was like maybe 2014. That same building was on fire again, and like I said, all of these happened in the winter. Too. Well, I mean, that's what makes me think that it was just some people just trying to keep warm. Right. I mean, what would you do if you were in that position where you didn't have a, a home? Yeah. And it was, I mean, I mean, it was, it's been pretty cold the past couple yeah. of days, man. Heck yeah. It's been real cold. Yeah. Yeah. None of these places burned down in the summer. So, and also if I'm not mistaken, I think David Dewhurst owned the McClung warehouse. I think, I can't be sure about that, but he's a stand up dude from my interactions with him and from his business reputation. And, you know, I, I can't say for sure, but I, I just could not see him doing something malicious or anything like that or anything that would expose him to that much risk. So mm-hmm. that makes me, you know, feel like that McClung warehouse deal was, was a, was a total accident both times again, happening in the winter. But I think this last time that it burned, it was a total loss and they had to knock it down. Mm. But then, (laughs) (laughs) but wait, there's more. The industrial belting supply, which is right next door to a public house, that thing burned in, um, that was actually before that. That was in 2013, I think. And they had to evacuate public house, people that were there hanging out outside. And that was just like a one story building with like decent firewalls and all that. But they, they say that, you know, it had been empty for a while. And um, a ton of just junk inside of it that would just go up, you know, easily. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I wonder, are people in there living, A, trying to stay warm? Probably. B, are are they in there living, trying to stay warm, and then say, screw it, I don't care if this place catches on fire, I'm leaving. Do they say anything about finding any, like, drug paraphernalia? I could just imagine somebody, like, burning, like, a crack pipe or something and then you know what i'm saying like or yeah. some syringes or well, i'm sure nothing's left by the time oh, that's true there, yeah well you i know? mean you know some things don't burn yeah but but the industrial belting supply again david dewhurst owned that and now it is that's where the mill and mine is and all that stuff mm-hmm. now right um <clears throat> again i don't i don't think any foul play at all but you got to think that you know his insurance company's probably looking pretty hard and asking him some questions about all that kind of stuff when it happens. If they can turn that building into a mixed use for real, like that, which would, one, the standard knitting mill? Yeah, the yeah. knitting mill. Like yeah. I don't know what's going to happen now. If like what this fire did to structure, um, obviously that top half corner has got to be replaced. But I mean, I've been to places like that. Have you Have you been to the place in Memphis? No. That is like an old factory that they turned into like mixed use. One of the college radio stations there. And no. Big food court. Got a movie theater. Mm. All sorts of activities and stuff. A big <clears throat> library. Cool. It's, uh, you can live there. We went there for uh, 
part of our shoot when we were in Memphis doing the Memphis Moves. Oh, cool. Uh, campaign. So okay. That was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, people that like my dad lives in Richmond, Virginia, and like all of the bottom, which is Shaco Bottom, like the downtown, uh, like all the cobblestone streets and everything, mm. and it was uh, like maybe Tobacco Row or something was what it was named, or that is what it's named. It's like all these old empty warehouses, and they finally have taken them on one by one, and it's right on the James River, and it's beautiful, and like now that city is really awesome like it's it's still they're still building all that stuff yeah. but like the majority of it's already there like it looks great they just revamped all those old warehouses it's amazing what like like i said it can become the epicenter of redevelopment and it's brownfield development too which means they're not you know they're taking something that already existed instead of doing what they did to the knoxville center mall mm-hmm. um well you know they raised that thing the the east town mall they bulldozed it to the ground, track hose, and then hauled it all off in trucks to build the Amazon uh, Fulfillment Center. Oh, that's at, where it's at. There's two of them. Oh. There's one at Easttown Mall, and then there's one going in at the end of Pellissippi Parkway on Alcoa Highway, mm. which is crazy if you see how fast that thing went up. It's like, it's, you know. Well, if you have that kind of money, you could really construct something in no time. Isn't that, like, such a, like... I don't know if microcosm is the right word, but like just such a sign of the times that we live in that um, they're knocking down a brick and mortar mall <laughs> to make way for an Amazon fulfillment center, which is now the way that we get our goods. Which know? is uh, which is basically the the stock room of, yeah. of the mall of the mall. Yeah. yeah. So they they just kind of they took down the old way that we got our goods, mm-hmm. and then now they're putting in the new way that we get our goods in the same. I just wish I wish that maybe maybe you can do this, but on Amazon when you're searching, like, is there a way to search like made in the USA? I don't know. Because it seems like when you when you're looking for like let's just say a baby monitor, for instance. Yeah. It's like all these Chinese things come up and it's yeah. like half of the things you can't even read. You can't read the the company that it's coming from. The the product's already there in the Amazon fulfillment warehouse, but it's like there's so much that you have to like dive through to get to like you know a decent piece of gear you know what i'm saying like whether it be like a, decent quality yeah because yeah. you know i bought one of those one time and that thing lasted like two weeks yeah china doesn't give a damn about your stuff breaking because they they already they sold can, it to you yeah exactly yeah. so i just i wish there was a way to like you know sort by like not all this crazy third party or really yeah. foreign stuff like just give me the I'll, stuff that's in yeah. the usa like we're in a <laughs> a crisis right now and the the thing that i would like to do the most is to buy everything from people that created in the united states i think there is a way to do that and you just sort by highest price to lowest price <laughs> oh it's sort of the highest price yeah is <laughs> probably made in the usa that's a good way to look at it <laughs> you know i mean i buy a lot of uh a lot of stuff that is not usa stuff but I don't like to. Well, if it's a microphone, you know, I mean, if you're looking at like a Neumann microphone, I mean, that's German, Yeah. you know, so it's like j- the Germans have such an amazing tech, like their microphones, their preamps, their, 
It's a country full of engineers, dude. <laughs> it is totally. I mean, look at their cars. You got the Volkswagens and the Porsches and the BMWs and the Mercedes. Like, there's so much great that comes out of German engineering. So, and they're on this conquest for perfection. But I wouldn't. They... I wouldn't have a problem buying a Chinese piece of something if it was, you know, worth it. You know, like back in the day, like people would laugh if you had a Kia or a Hyundai. But Kia and Hyundai nowadays, like yeah. the, the whatever the Koreans are doing right now, they are doing it well. Well, because... dude, Consumer Reports, the Kia Telluride is the only car to buy if you read Consumer Reports. Yeah, they have come a long way. But they're the same price as a luxury vehicle now because mm. they're so they're in such good shape. But yeah, the Koreans are killing it in the auto manufacturing mm-hmm. game. Yeah, but Chinese stuff is usually crap when you get it, and with electronics, it's bad news. Everything's made in China. How about these microphones we're on right now? Who makes these? Sure. Where are uh, they from? Sure, Sure's here, I believe. Are they? Um, I think look, I could be totally wrong on that. Let's see. Um, they sure do make a good product. They do make a great product. Yeah. I feel like anything anymore says made in the USA on it. It's made in the USA. And it's the right price point to be made in the USA. Does it say? Is it Norwegian or something like that? Um, let's see. If the headquarters is in Illinois. Yeah. It probably is American then. Who it's, else is uh who else is really killing it though in the like who who's this recorder made by? Zoom. Zoom is Japan. Is Japan. The Japanese are another bunch of badasses. Well, I would buy a ton of Japanese stuff. I mean, all the cars I have are Japanese. I have two Mazdas. I have a Mazda three and a Mazda CX nine. Both yeah. of those are Japanese. I love both my cars are Japanese. Love Toyotas. Yeah. Um I mean, yeah, the, uh, Japan has, uh, their precision is, their craftsmanship is like no other. Yeah. I get lost on YouTube watching Japanese joinery videos. Like woodwork? Yeah, like dovetails, like the yeah. most in- intricate dovetails you've ever seen in your entire life. That, that fit you're together like, like three ways when they yeah, put them together. You're and like, you're how like, did that fit in there? You're like, how did that do that? It's like all diagonal, this, that, and the other. Like their craftsmanship is crazy. And I watched this Japanese video yesterday. Of this guy making flip-flops out of a bamboo, uh, a big like piece of bamboo that was probably you know two to three inches in diameter. Made flip-flops out of it? Yeah, he just split it in half, and then split that half in half, and 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 kept splitting it. Did some sushi sushi chef skills and, on uh, it? Uh, until the bamboo was down to basically like... A noodle? A thread. Like, <laughs> yeah, basically like a, a regular spaghetti noodle. Yeah. About that thickness. And then he weaved a pair of flip-flops together, and then he weaved a hat together. And I'm just like, that all came from that one piece of bamboo. (laughs) Because when you split bamboo, it splits straight. So wherever you make your knife cut, like you just, you just, you know, get it in there a little bit till you can start pulling it apart. And you pull it apart, it splits evenly. Yeah. Uh, So you know about the uh, the Japanese and the German like bolt patterns on Volkswagens lining up because of their ally. stuff during the war no but this is interesting so <clears throat> so you can put toyota parts on a volkswagen no you can put a subaru motor in a volkswagen bus oh i do know this right because yeah. the bolts line up mm. because they they yeah. use the same they use the same engineering yeah. they borrowed it from the germans so yeah. you've heard of that you've heard of bus uh, oh absolutely i mean yeah. and that's also a flat four you know yeah the, the boxer po- motor boxer motor yep. yeah put them in there anytime you see a uh anytime you see a an old volkswagen bus going 
90 miles an hour down the road. <laughs> He's got a water box in there. <laughs> yeah, a little, it does. A little WRX STI motor in that thing. Yes. No, I've seen that for sure. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. There's also this uh, this company that's uh, redoing like all the Volkswagen, old Volkswagens and Porsches and putting electric motors in it. And I saw this like 1960-something Porsche 912 with all-wheel drive. It had like two or three electric motors in it. And wow. it was just laid rubber like as long as you could see. Yeah. All-wheel drive. An all-wheel drive yeah. car. It's probably got doing four a, motors then. Doing a burnout. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. It's it's so fast. Don't the Teslas have, have a motor at each wheel? I think the... I believe... Or two motors. I think that you can get three motors. It's like two in the rear... And then one in the front. What's that called? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> Electricity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, Teslas are so fast. It doesn't make sense that that new Tesla is like 1.9 seconds from zero to 60. Yeah. That's crazy. We got to get one. We got to get us get a Tesla. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, but there's an argument about uh, electric cars being like once everybody has an electric car, like the the taxing on the electric grid is going to be so yeah. enormous that like we have to get our infrastructure up so it can do all of this charging. Yeah, so really and, the only way it makes sense is if you if you have an entire power grid of nuclear energy <laughs> that you're that you're using to charge these electric cars otherwise you're burning more coal right i guess so which is which is what which is antithetical to having electric vehicles they should have uh not killed nikola tesla and <laughs> we'd have and, been here a hundred years ago <laughs> yeah and let his technology of wireless energy you know come out because nowadays like each tesla car could you know when it's not driving it could put its energy into the the into the grid into the grid yeah you know or somehow dude was it you that was telling me about somebody who was using their tesla to mine bitcoin uh i read a story that yeah i did tell you that this guy um he makes 800 dollars a month i think mining bitcoin on his tesla yeah <laughs> i'd love to know how that all works out. well it's just a big computer yeah so it, i mean you can make it do anything you want you can watch videos you can surf you can text video calls so all he's that, paying so. he's paying his car note mining bitcoin yeah pretty much mm -hmm. but you're right like i was i was listening to this talk the other day about greening film industry practices and trying to make sets greener and all that and they said that um the number one way that they're that, and there's academics working on this trying to figure out what is the most environmentally friendly way to run production and the the top thing for them was was fuel consumption and power consumption because i mean so many people drive on set you've got you know Mm -hmm. ton, tons of vehicles on the road from PAs running errands to the grip truck, five ton grip trucks lined up, you know, all, all kinds of fuel is being used. And then they're, you know, they're talking about, okay, now let's, now let's use, you know, lower power fixtures, lights and all that. Well, that's the, probably the biggest gain is the LED industry. Right. Because it doesn't take near as much power to power yeah. those lights. Yep. You're not making a bunch of heat either mm -hmm. so you don't have to air condition a space mm -hmm. but 
because your your fixture is taking a bunch of power. And, and us audio down. guys really enjoy that because you don't have fans running right. in the background. But then I heard them talk about like power offset and then they're like, okay, well now, you know, n- now that everybody has electric cars on set and we're using electric cars on set, you know, now we need to bring, you know, n- now we need a place to charge those cars. So, you know, we need to bring generators in. And I'm like, well, the generators, oh, the gas, cha- that's chasing the fossil our- fuel is right there. Right, like, aren't we chasing our tail here? <laughs> I, I saw a, a picture of a Tesla plugged into a thing and right behind the thing was a gas generator that was powering the <laughs> power station and it's it's just interesting you know like we're you know people are trying to fight the fossil fuel industry and it's getting better it's getting better i mean we've gone from just regular coal to clean coal we got natural gas we've got all these different things i mean i saw this one thing about hydrogen the other day that blew my mind you know, so it's like we have all these things, but in order to go all electric, you have to have some sort of power. Power, and it seems like the best thing in the entire universe would be nuclear. But but no, it's dangerous. It's dangerous if your nuclear factory is from the '60s and the '50s. Right. But if you were to build a brand spanking new nuclear facility right now in 2022 with 2022 technology. Even if it had problems, you would have you all would these fail safes in, yeah. in in motion that would extinguish it or cool right. it or do whatever it needs to do to to make it not yeah. harmful. Well, you're you're seeing it with the, the all the TVA dams starting to fail. You know, uh, Boone Dam, I believe, is one of them, and then another you know hydroelectric dam. I forget part of the TVA system. They've had to shut down, and that screws up ecosystems. Like it, mm-hmm. it you know marine wildlife uh aquatic insects everything that that lives you know to make up a a a biome Mm -hmm. you know is is now displaced or killed off i think wolf creek dam in kentucky was another one that that had to go down and it's like a big ass dam with five generators that made a ton of power Mm -hmm. um you know it's breaking because it was built in 1941 or whatever you know or so if they if, if we could get the infrastructure to beef those particulars up it would it would definitely help i i remember um like denmark has these things off of the coast that are basically like little airbags or something that's underwater so the water is always going to be moving because yeah. the, the tide and everything yeah. so it's always going up so and down some kind of turbine so it's, it's just creating no it's just the water's energy. moving up and down which is moving this little thing up and down and that yeah. thing which is energy uh, and that thing going up and down is spinning a turbine spinning a turbine or doing yeah. whatever and they're able to make you know and and that's something that is probably way better than uh wind because wind stops yeah water never stops doing it yeah and that's what people say the the big the big uh plus for having coal is too is that it's it it's scalable it's easy to start and stop so you know, I don't think you can turn off a nuclear reactor. I could be wrong about that. Oh, I don't know. Oh. You know, uh, but there's definitely coal, a sequence. Can, <laughs> right. But with coal, I, I hear one of the big things that's good about it is you can buffer it. You can control it. If the grid needs more power, burn mm-hmm. more coal. If it doesn't, it's not calling for much right now. Don't do it. Wind doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and the solar is just not there yet. It's a good idea, but it's just not there yet. It takes it. it it's it doesn't work it's not it enough uh, they can't efficient they can't 
produce power with square footage of solar panels efficiently enough. Mm -hmm. It doesn't it doesn't do enough. That's why you can't have a solar panel on top of your car that powers it because it just the where panels are now, mm -hmm. it just can't it, it it can't do it. Yeah. You might run your radio off of it. Yeah, like I, I used to have a, a Prius and um I didn't get the model with the solar roof, but I researched it. And the only thing that that solar roof does is powers the windows that so they'll roll down when your cab gets to a certain temperature when you're, oh, when you're nice. not in when it you're parked yeah so yeah. it'll like vent out and everything oh, i'm like cool. that's all it does yeah that's probably all it can handle it doesn't really contribute back into the power of the car yeah well i am uh I, i'm i'm glad you you came back to sit down in the chair for the third time because i bet you've been up to a lot since you were here last i think the last time you were here was right after that Alicia Keys record you produced mm -hmm. came out. Um, how'd that go? How the, how was the reception for that? Um, it was all right. It was good. I mean, you know, the fans loved it and everything. Um, I think it was a still a strange time to put an album out because it was supposed to come out in March and then it got pushed to May. This is March of 2020 is when it's supposed to come mm. out. They pushed it because of the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, the bottom fell out in late February. So she was supposed to have it come out in like middle to late March. And, and that was, you know, she was probably like, uh, I don't think it's a good time to release an album right yeah, now. Yeah, people thought that for a bunch of different reasons, too. I think like Wes Bailey from Moon Taxi was here right around that time. And he was like, man, we've got, you know, we've got an album done, pressed, ready to go. But... Well, I mean, if you, yeah, if you can't support it with a tour and, and, and like radio stuff and, and do the whole rigmarole of putting an album out, like right. it's probably best just to wait until times are better and then you can do that because then you can, you know, put a tour together or some shows or. Yeah, that's, that's what it, that's what it was, was not that they thought it would be tone deaf to release an album you know in the middle of such hard times it was I, yeah i it, think it was a money thing it was it was like oh it wasn't a good business like, decision yeah it's not a, it's not a good time to do that right now people are are scared and and they're not going to buy or or whatever which i mean who really buys music anymore it's all about subscriptions anyway so yeah bands have to make their money off of touring I exactly assume. merch and touring and if you're not touring then you're not really selling any merch yeah you're not really and i mean come do, on. you're not really generating anything if you're not touring right and so the the uh alicia keys record what was the name of the album alicia alicia yeah it was pushed to may and then it got pushed to it came out in september of 2020 okay. which is right after the grammys cut off right uh yeah it was yeah okay did that did that album get anything in no, the Grammys? no it didn't it didn't i thought it, it just was kind of got hidden yeah i think so i don't know it you need another a, Grammy, Sam. I know. I need another one. <laughs> I got to get that five spot. Yeah. One for the thumb. Exactly. It's what, what Jerome Bettis <laughs> called it with his Super Bowl rings. <laughs> I need one for the thumb. <laughs> I need one for the thumb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that made everybody pivot. Everybody kind of had to figure it out and yeah, and then figure out what works for you and some people are getting back to work some people aren't you know so at that time you know i don't know but she's released i think an album since then oh she has mm -hmm. okay but it got good reception i mean it yeah. was it got alicia good write-ups and the album alicia good, yeah good reception mm -hmm. yeah i saw your name in the liner notes i was excited about that yeah man samuel kirk thomas that's right you put my whole name in it i was like absolutely <laughs> is that what I you got to go everybody by to know <laughs> 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, so Knoxville for three or four years now, what, and I know that you've been like, you've worked in the film business a lot and you've been doing location audio a lot. You've worked on a couple movies mm -hmm. over the last year, which I want to hear about for sure. But you've also been finding some footing in the, in the engineering world and the producing world even more so in yeah, actually, um, I took a little bit of a break from the music when I moved here because I just needed to kind of refine myself. And I've been doing it for such a long time. It's like, okay, what else do I want to do? Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not one to sit still in one particular no, not. avenue. So anything, I was like, man, what can I do that that is still in my field but isn't per se music or recording sessions? So... Yeah, so I was able to, you know, meet a whole bunch of folks in in town and kind of transition into the location audio. The same, it's the same thing. Uh, signal flow is signal flow. I don't care what you're doing. Right. So it's just a different set of tools, you know. Yeah. And uh, everything's wireless, or you're wearing it. You're wearing your recorder, you know. Yeah. And you're following the action, and it's a lot of fun being a part of a big crew, and you're making a movie like. It's very fun to watch the scenes go down. That's what got me into the business was not necessarily the making cool stuff, but being a part of this monolithic crew moving together in the same direction. Mm -hmm. You know, a hundred people all working their ass off all day. All in perfect harmony. Yeah. It's like, you know, you get the the pre-pro meeting. This is the vision. And then you get like, okay, now we're, now we're on set. Everybody's setting up, grip trucks unloading. You know, we're having our first little onset meeting. Okay, this is the scene that we're doing. This is what I need. DP is barking out all sorts of orders. All right, I want this light. I want this. Talking to the gaffer, getting everything set up. Gaffer turns around, talks to the grips. They pull everything out. It's like, okay, what do you want to do? That's what you want to do? Okay, break. And everybody just goes into their lane and does their job. And then the director yells action. And then the scene happens. And you're like, holy cow, that was badass. And then you get to do it like six more times. Yeah. You know, you get perfect. the wide, you get the two shot, you get the singles, you get the, the reverse coverage, you get your B roll, you get your establishing. Like, it's and then just, you move on and huddle up again. Yeah. And then you move on. Okay. Call we, the next play. Yeah, we finished that. All right. Let's wrap this location and let's go to another room or let's go outside or let's go to across town to this bar or to this library or to the police station or yeah. whatever, you know. Well, what were the films that you worked on last year? There were a couple, there's just like this, there's this break in video episodes of South of Scruffy where everybody's like, how come you've been, have been doing any video? I'm like, well, because Sam has been booked for 60 days in a row. Yeah, I did uh, this, this uh, lower budget uh, little kind of rom-com called Banking on Christmas. Um, real small crew. Uh, What's small? I mean, there might've been 10 of us. Okay. It was pretty small. Plus actors and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there was two cameras. Um, so you got two cameras, a director, a sound guy, grip and lighting department, hair and makeup. Yeah. Yeah. So just yeah. the bare bones kind of skeleton crew. Exactly. Okay. And uh, I just picked up the last week of that shoot. The uh, the sound guy that was on that shoot got COVID. <laughs> there you go. There's, so there's I, a, I swooped a... in and and uh, and took the last week on on that and. And he wasn't available when they rescheduled it because he was on to a different show. Yeah. He got Wally pipped. Mm-hmm. You know about that? Nope. 
who was it? Was it Lou Gehrig or something like that? I think maybe Lou Gehrig, maybe. But his uh, the guy the guy before him was was Wally Pip, and he uh, he couldn't play. He was injured or something for one game, and I think it was Lou Gehrig. He he came in and, and played, and uh, nobody knows the name Wally Pip. That's how it goes, though. Like, you know, you come in for one thing, you meet a whole bunch of new people, you do a good job, and they call you back. Yeah. So so he, now you're their guy. Yeah, exactly. Because he got COVID right. once. It had to miss a day of work. Right. And if he would have not got COVID, then I wouldn't have done that shoot. And then he would have probably got that next movie. What so, was that one? Uh, Can you say? The next movie was called Nothing is Impossible. Okay. It was kind of like a like a washed up uh, high school basketball star that ends up being the janitor at the school when he's in his late thirties. And Hey, sounds and like a good story. His, <laughs> and then his uh, college girlfriend's father owned the NBA team and, and he died and she now owns the team. And then they were having open tryouts and he was hoping to, Get to, in. to get in so, so a real rudy story i guess so yeah kind of yeah it was a cool movie yeah it was uh how was the crew on that same size or uh the crew on that was probably i don't know there might have been like 25 or 30 of us it was a bigger Still crew bigger but relatively small yeah for a movie. the thing that sucked the most about that is it was right smack dab in july it was hot it was, so was hot. it a location shoot or it was studio? all all on location okay and one of the locations was a uh a double wide, not even no, it was a single wide, like a trailer in. Is that where he was living Oak as a Ridge. janitor? Yeah, in Oak Ridge or yeah. something, and it was so hot because we couldn't keep the air on. Because of you. Because of me, yeah. Because you could hear it. We're we're about ready to go, and I was like, he's like, "Sound, are you set?" And I was like, "I'm cool if you're cool with that loud ass AC." And he was like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm cool with it." And then we're like, "Yeah, we need to turn that off." So, really? Yeah. Oh, we turned it off. Good no, for I mean, them. It would have been a post hell. I yeah. mean, there's ways to get noise out of audio files, but if you can pr fix it in pre, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to fix it in post. Yeah. So um, it was just really hot. I yeah. sweat. I, I probably, I think I dropped 15 pounds on that. Shoot. I remember seeing you after that. I was like, man, you are a sliver of your mm -hmm. former self. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's that's good that you've been hammering the, the, uh, the movie world because that's kind of a different world than the commercial stuff or the episodic television stuff yeah. that we have going on around here in spades well it was also cool because the guy that did the movie uh the people who did the post for that movie the post house yeah ended up coming to tennessee to shoot their movie and that guy shared his call sheet with this guy which is gold by the way and if you could he, get a call sheet from, yeah and you're an out-of-town production yeah. and you can see a whole crew to hire mm -hmm. you don't know anybody in town but you got a call sheet to go by that's big time exactly so i got a call well i got an email and i uh responded to the email and and then i don't know i feel like i didn't hear anything from that guy and then all of a sudden i get a phone call and it was there was two movies going on. There was another movie called The Homestead that was going on that they called me first, and they had like five sound guys that they were interviewing. And I, I had a great interview with them, but uh, they didn't want 
me they wanted somebody else and and but they were like oh but you know you want to be a an ac because i had mentioned about being an ac and camera work yeah so camera assistant which i have done ac a lot not as much as an ac person does ac but i i knew the ropes i knew what was expected but i didn't i didn't want to do that i wanted to do the sound right so i was like well i have this other call i have to to talk to and then that was this guy and then so they hired me for for sound on on that movie okay and um and it was great you know it was fantastic and you know it was it was really cool because i was like once i secured my position i was like are you missing anybody they're like well i have no idea what i'm going to do about griffin lighting and i'm like well (laughs) so i was like caleb rumgay was uh the gaffer on the movie that i did previous and i was like this is you, you need to call this guy and you need to call Rob and you need to call like the whole grip team and everything. Yeah. So I was able to extend my local uh, knowledge, my local Rolodex and got uh, six other guys hired onto the crew that was from the previous movie. So, yeah, yeah, it was great. That's big, too, to keep that money locally. Exactly. We have to support our freelancers here. Mm-hmm. And that's because these people are coming from Los Angeles and they're trying to crew up as much as they can locally. Because that's the tax incentive, but and hotels they don't have to pay for, right? Yeah, they can work as locals. So they're going to try to crew as much local talent as they can. But if they can't, then they're going to fly somebody in. Yeah. So it's like, which is way more expensive. Yeah. And they were prepared to until I said, "Hey, how about these guys?" So you saved them a bunch of money. Probably so. They break you off a little extra. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. (laughs) We've done that before. Going to cities that we've never shot in before but maybe we have one or two connections there it's like hey man how about i pay you an extra day rate to uh to come off with some of your preferred people that you like to work with yeah you know if it's somebody that we know and we like and trust their who they're going to bring to the table we Mm -hmm. you know we'll do that and that was a great that was a great movie um it's called the neighbor it'll be i think it's coming out in march anybody we know in that one it's a lifetime movie of the week movie okay so movie for tv yeah so it's i mean they're going to be putting a lot of press behind it um the lead girl uh vicky judy is her name she was uh one of the girls in orange is the new black okay um she's not the uh dumb and dumber gal is she that's the director okay yeah victoria ruel yeah she's the she uh, was the, the the cop the female cop in uh she was the the hot chick dumber. at the bar when he was wearing that really crazy cowboy hat and burped really loud. Yeah, yeah. But at, she's also the like at the, the gas station. Are those skis yours? Mm-hmm. Both of them. <laughs> that scene, right? I believe so. I saw a picture of you and her, and she had. Uh, she's like, it. It's funny, man, to see people twenty years, twenty five years later. She's oh, got she's some, still gorgeous. Yeah, got some gray dreads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So um, how was working with her? Oh, it was fantastic. She was a doll. Pro, she, oh, absolutely pro. She's been on screen for such a long time as an actress, and yeah. she's been doing a lot of directing lately. She's actually being an actress in a movie they're shooting in Toronto right now. And she was on Instagram the other day. It was like minus yes twenty or something. Yeah. I was like, oh man, poor gal. I think I'd rather be in heat than that kind of extreme cold. Working in the cold is hard. Yeah, because your hands, man. Yeah. It's like, 
I mean, especially if, you know, in my position, holding a boom pole or... A cold piece of aluminum. (laughs) Yeah, for (laughs) real. I mean, I wear gloves, but still. Yeah. So what about the music stuff? I know that you've been like, you know, you hooked me up with Garrett Sale, Mm -hmm. uh, William Wilde. Yep. And he's been, you know, he's been over here a couple times, not even for the podcast, just to hang out. And uh, his studio, I cannot say enough about Pink Moon Studio. Pink Moon Recordings in Knoxville, Tennessee is such a nice studio. And you would know, because you've been in the mm-hmm. nicest ones in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Of course. I mean, I've been in the nicest ones across the country. It's really? Just, yeah. So it, it holds up. Absolutely. He's, he, yeah. He's I mean, a He's a player, you know? Yeah. So he's got beautiful drum set. He's got a two grand pianos right now an upright piano uh he's got a Rhodes uh, an organ lots of guitar amplifiers a sick guitar collection the microphone vintage microphone collection is sick his outboard gear is on point such a great studio it was an old house there was a two-story house that they knocked the middle floor out and had a structural engineer come in and it's like the tallest ceilings in the live room and it's like being in the control a room. Church. It's so nice. There's big floating clouds in there for sound dampening. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. The control room is is nice, big, big piece of glass you can see through. Yeah, I've been calling him lately, and every time I call him, they're booked. Really? I'm like, I'm like that's great, but yeah. damn it, I gotta, I got some work I need to do. I need to get in there. Really? track some stuff is that what you're trying to do yeah Record i'm trying some... to uh well since we had our our buddy josh van way on the on the pod uh, a couple weeks ago um he's become a fast friend of mine yeah so we've done um we did a really awesome motorcycle ride one day he has he's got a, a harley and so we went off and carved some uh some curves inside the uh smokies and uh hung out with him at his house and everything and I'm going to be mixing some records for him, but I'm looking to try to book about three day, three, four days and track his band, The Medicine. Yeah. He was talking about that. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be about great. That band. Uh, the plant sessions mm-hmm. that he did. It's fantastic. It's awesome. It sounds great. First off, he's a beast. Yeah. He's out of control. Good. Yeah. He's really good. And then the, uh, that plant sessions series was it just one one song that they did yeah th- this is like uh something that they have just like started and his girlfriend jess maples who's also been on the podcast yep. does the uh video work for mm-hmm. it yep and it's beautiful it's great i'm like man where's it well i didn't know you could do that like yeah. jess like well where you i been? mean i really dig her style too because you know she um, it's called the plant sessions because he's addicted to plants and like he literally has about 75 plants inside of his house. Yeah. Like it's just crazy. So it was just the band sets up in a circle and she stands in the middle and she's doing this little pan swoop thing, you know, back to each different member playing their instrument. And it's a one it's a one, it's one, a one it, shot. It's like a, yeah, it is a one shot. It was a one continuous shot the entire song. It was really cool. So it I was can't, beautiful. I can't wait and to it see. It sounded great. Yeah, I can't wait to see how they uh, develop it over over time. It's going to be a, a one of those nice little YouTubes that you can tune into. Yeah, and it's got. I mean, it, it's gotten like twenty five hundred views or something. Yeah, in the first few days. The first, yeah, it's 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 getting some traction. So, and it's cool. The plant sessions. I mean. Yeah, that's badass. And why? I mean, like, yeah, he was over here and he played five songs, I think, mm-hmm. and like six, 
six did he yeah. but and, and and that's and that's super cool but like it we we kind of shot our shot with it you know we could have released it as six separate ones mm-hmm. and you know we were a little bit limited with what we were doing camera wise where it, i don't think it looked anywhere near as good as what is what jess yeah did i think she did a really awesome job we just need to get a bunch of sony cameras and then and then we can yeah. do it you know like yeah. those cameras look really good for that type of sh- shooting yeah they do but i like that they're 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 breaking it off in little snackable pieces to mm-hmm. where it's you know one song instead of like okay here's four songs like yeah. now they have stuff they can put out once a month exactly that band is good yeah the medicine yeah they're good they're really good yeah josh is josh is really something else man i'm glad i'm glad that we've got him here have you uh have you made any other connections with with people around or through the podcast or anything like that that have uh that you've worked with that you can think of off the top of your head that's been associated with the podcast. Well, I don't um, know. Like just that you've met, you met around, hanging around people we'd know that you've that you've worked with because we have musicians on from time to time. Yeah, I mean, I did some some. We I cut a few records with Chris Blue. Yeah. Um, I I heard he moved to Vegas. Oh, really? Yeah. What is what's he doing? A residency or something? I don't. I have no idea what he's doing. I'm not sure. Dude, uh, I gotta check on him. Yeah, I wish he would come back so we could finish this album. <laughs> yeah, have you have you? We cut. Some? Yeah, we cut about three songs, three yeah. songs or so. Really great songs. I haven't talked to him in a minute. Yeah, but I think that he's still trying to figure out like his direction for the next body of work that he wants to put out. Yeah, yeah, man. I was talking to my friend Didi Benami the other day, who uh, she was on American Idol. I hadn't talked to her in probably ten years, and we we uh, we had a little a, a little chat like probably three or four days ago. And she was on American Idol, one of the first few seasons of American Idol, you know, maybe five or six or something like that. And that was when, I mean, now the voice is big, I get it, but it's not what American Idol was in its heyday, well, right? the thing about the voice is who, who has been on the voice that has actually come out and done something? Right. Where with American Idol, you had, you know, first Every, place, yeah. second place, third place, everybody you know, got a, got a yeah, job. Everybody's doing something on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got to be really frustrating as a as an artist. Is well, that's kind of what I was picking up on with her. Is like, you know, she's obviously thirteen years later or whatever it is. Not really. I mean, she obviously wasn't able to capitalize on the the capital that happens when you're you know in America's living room. Yeah. You know, and she was a fan favorite, and she was on Ellen a couple times. Ellen mm-hmm. had her on. Ellen loved her, and it was like even that. Even with that kind of nowadays, exposure. if you don't have a song on TikTok, it's like <laughs> you know you're not doing anything. Yeah, it's crazy how the little snippets are creating the superstars now. It's like, really nuts, man. It is very nuts. Do you have a plan for existing in that kind of world in the music space? Do you think video is a part of it? What are you speaking on? Well, do you have, if it's a new landscape to where, you know, you're saying, you know, if you don't have a, a, a hit song on TikTok, you, you know, you're nothing. Well, like, do I you mean, have a way to see, do, that's just a, that's a interesting argument to get into because there's tons of people out there that are putting music out that are far disconnected from those type of things. It's like pop music, like whatever is popular right now is ruling that domain. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So as a writer, like 
if you can continue to be creative and come up with great sounding music, you can you can do it. You don't have to. I don't have to have a song on TikTok to be famous right. or to be, you know, get the ball rolling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I personally would rather uh, cherry pick those artists that I know are doing something or are potential. You know, it's like wow, this guy's really good. Like, uh, there's an artist Matt B that um, yeah. I'm producing some records for in Chicago, and that guy is just he's a hustler, um, like. You know, he puts his, the last album that he put out, it was, he got a billboard in Times Square. Wow. Like, I don't know what he's doing to be able to get a billboard in Times Square, but he's doing it. You know what I'm saying? He's getting articles in magazines and he's doing uh, podcasts and he's, you know, he's doing- he's hitting he's, all the media. Yeah, he's doing the work. He's putting yeah. the work in. There's so many people out there that yeah. don't want to put the work in. Well, that's that's part of it too, seemingly, is that- labels or even the marketplace maybe wants you to bring a following to the table so you have to do the work mm -hmm. to get your music out there and to get people to follow you before anybody will really take a chance on you anymore it seems like mm -hmm. i was talking to eric baker about the same thing i mean the eric baker's got a a, a pretty decent following mm -hmm. all over the country and the world mm -hmm. um it, but you know he's he's a bijou tennessee theater size artist um but it's you know labels look at him as an emerging artist even though he's established does well, that behind, make sense yeah but behind every overnight success they've been grinding for 15 years yeah you you told me a story about justin bieber one time that was it was the same thing like he didn't just come out of nowhere like everybody thinks he just came out of nowhere yeah he put the work in yeah but you worked with him before he was yeah, right before famous, right? yeah, I worked on the album that Baby was on. Okay, I worked on like three different songs on that. Not, but he was a badass. It wasn't like he just was a YouTube star and and went off. He, like he was that doing young talent. Yeah, he was that young talent that was just. I mean, he's good at guitar. He's good at drums. He's good at singing. He's yeah. good at dancing. Like he's just one of those people that is a great all around entertainer. It he's, wasn't dumb luck. Yeah, he's not just uh, a puppet. You know, right. like there's a lot of puppets out there that just show up and saying whatever. Yeah. You know. Oh, uh, I have a question about the split with artists because like you produced uh you know, that record on Alicia Keys. Um and I was like, okay, well that's probably like that's probably like uh, you know, ninety five percent of the split goes to Alicia Keys because it's her name, it's her song and all mm -hmm. that. But then of all things, I was listening to the Encanto soundtrack with my kids, that mm -hmm. new Disney movie. And I was like I was listening to it and there's this song called Surface Pressure on it. And it's by this, you know, before Encanto came out, a no name actress mm -hmm. named and, and singer named Jessica Darrow, right? And I was like, okay, well well that She's like kind of unknown and she's really like Lin-Manuel Miranda, the dude who wrote Hamilton, mm -hmm. is writing all the music for this thing. So like they're not just going to give this, you know, no name, uh, you know, relatively no named artist, Jessica Darrow, this, you know, crazy split just because her name is on the song as the recording artist. Like there's a lot of other people behind it who it all kind of breaks down mm -hmm. to, and you know, you, you got to assume that the guy who wrote it is just as important as the people who are Wasn't performing it, it uh, surface pressure. 
but I think we've talked about it a little bit before about how the, the whole split works out, but it's pretty interesting to me that even like working with a big artist like Alicia Keys, like she still might only get the half or less than half of the credit for a song that goes platinum as far as as money is concerned. And then I, I didn't really understand that as a you know disparity until I started to look at it from the other side when you have this uh, when you when you have this established, artists like Lin-Manuel Miranda who's writing songs and then people who you've never heard of are performing them. Yeah, Lin-Manuel produced and songwriter. Yep. On that song? Mm Mm-hmm. And she performed it? So what do you think his, what do you think his involvement is as far as the split's concerned? Um, well, I mean, I'm sure she got something. Yeah. You know, most of the time people do give, uh, royalty type stuff whether it be um publishing rights or whatever um it just depends like the alicia keys record it was split i think it was it was me tricky patrick sick pen and alicia okay so you tricky stewart mm-hmm. patrick who postal weight okay yep. and sick pen sick pen so me and patrick and tricky did the music and um and sick pen wrote the lyrics okay and alicia and tiara whack performed them yeah and you know what i'm not even sure what tiara's cut was because she wrote her own verse right so So she gets a writing yeah she got in there but it's just kind of crazy to me how it all but but everybody thinks that the artist just makes all the money and that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. true no it was but a song is split down the middle so you have 50 percent that is the lyric and melody and you have 50 percent that's the music so sick pen was not a part of the music me and tricky and and patrick were so we just split that 50 percent three ways right and then uh so that leaves the other 50 percent for sick pen and then he split that with alicia and tr whack probably yeah and tr whack so i think it was probably like he got 30 and they got Alicia got fifteen, and she got five. Oh, Tiara got yeah, five, or something. Or yeah, some, something right. like that. I'd have to look at which the is, split. Yeah, which is kind of crazy to think that Alicia Keys only makes fifteen percent of. But she a didn't. Song. She didn't pen the song. Right. She so, didn't write it. Oh, she performed it. Yeah. Not. I mean, and that's. Yeah. But they're the face. Right. You know? She's yeah exactly. So sometimes that works out where you know I mean Alicia has written plenty of songs on her yeah. own, so she wasn't tripping on, you know, uh, not being a part of the actual you know pinning of it yeah so uh yeah sometimes it's uh a song that's written in the studio so it's like a collaboration like sick like sick like sick pen and her were like the there was a bridge to that song and we didn't write a bridge but we had composed a bridge but when you're writing songs and like we would be writing five to ten songs a day so we would write like verse hook verse hook and then we'd move on to the next one and then if something was good like out of the 10 songs that we wrote okay that one we need to put a bridge on that one so we'll write a bridge to it but we didn't actually get to the pinning of the bridge until we were in the studio with her ah so then she gets right so credit. she co-penned the bridge yeah but then we ended up putting uh, Tierra Whack on there as a feature. So that musical bridge disappeared and it became a rap bridge. Ah, okay. But, you know, you're in the presence of greatness. Like, 
you know, she wasn't going to go away empty handed. Right. Like when we worked with uh, um, Gwen Stefani, they told us before we even go into the studio, she gets 50%. No Whether she writes a thing or not. That's just to get her in the door. Yeah. And we're like, well, that sucks, but okay, she's Gwen Stefani. Let's go. Yeah. So, you know, there's the music industry is full of bartering. You know, sure. you do this, I'll do this. You know, you try to get as much money as it's you can for what deal. you're doing. It's all a deal. Every yeah. deal is different. Yeah. So. All right. Well, dude, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we got to do this. Mm-hmm. For sure. And we'll. Uh, you went camping this past weekend, didn't you? Yeah. How was it? Cold. Did you take the uh, camper for its yeah. maiden voyage? We took the camper on the second voyage. Oh, yeah. a second voyage. Oh. Yeah. How did it go? It was good. We was... need to record a podcast from the camper sometime. We should. Yeah. Let's just go uh, pull up down by a river somewhere. Dude, I'm on batteries <laughs> over here. Yeah, yeah. We don't need, we have dynamic microphones. We don't need any extra. <laughs> no, we got it all right here in a Pelican case, baby. That's right. Yeah, we'll do it. It was fun. We went to Hot Springs. Nice. Got to go to Hot Springs. Did you see some snow? Yeah, snowed on Friday night. We had a, uh, a t- uh, uh, the, the, we went to the Hot Springs, mm-hmm. got a tub at the Hot Springs, mm-hmm. and it was snowing while we were in it. Nice. Yeah. So was the camper toasty? Yeah. Heater works. Nice. Yeah. It's all, it's all good. It ran all night. Ran, I mean, the, the, uh, the heater ran for two days. <laughs> and, <laughs> so how much fuel does that take? Is that, uh, is it 20, pretty pound, 20 pounds of propane? 20 pounds of propane. Over, over two days. So how, how much is the tank? 17 bucks. No, I mean, how much pounds is the tank? 20 pounds. Oh, so you went through an entire tank? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you take an extra? I took two extras. Oh, come on, hey, Sam! Hey. You messing with baby? Come on, <laughs> just making sure. Come on, <laughs> I had a backup heater too. I'm sure you did, <laughs> absolutely. And you have those uh, heated beds too, right? Yeah, the beds plug in. Oh man, that's nice. It is. It it's nice. It's after sleeping on the ground for uh, 36 years. Mm. It's uh, it's 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 good to be able to uh, be comfortable for once. Absolutely. My kids like it too. We didn't take them this time. It's just a birthday getaway with the wife. Oh, nice. Super fun. I got to take you sometime. Yeah, man. I have to go up there. Yeah. Hot springs or wherever, man. I'm, I'm, I love camping. It's Whether it be in the sticks or in a camper, like just being disconnected from the city is yeah. always a beautiful thing. I was packing up to go camping and I turned to Sarah after packing for like two hours, you know, ultimately. And I was like, is this not hilarious? Like, the lengths we go to to be to to feel like a pioneer <laughs> isn't it crazy how much work it takes to have no amenities at all <laughs> you know? like this house works great yeah you know? it doesn't uh roll down the street though yeah that's you the can't problem. take it's it somewhere not, it's not on the french broad river but when you go camping Carolina. it's like you have to get in the mindset of you know rough in it whether it be, I mean, roughing it in a camper is, it's not really that much roughing it. Like bush, right. bushcraft is definitely roughing it. Which we got to do. I'm ready. We got to take a tarp and a knife. And a wool and blanket. And some paracord. And some paracord. And that's all we need. Yeah. And our, and our uh, uh, what do you call it? The, the, uh, the it. flint starter. Uh, what's oh, it called? A stick? What's it called? A uh, 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 ferro rod. Ferro rod. Yeah. Yeah. Take one of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I'm going to take a lighter. I'm going to take, take two yeah, lighters. I'll, I'll take a lighter also, <laughs> but to be able to start a fire without a lighter is so 
It's cool. like instant gratification. You're just like, yeah, I just started a fire with no lighter. Yeah, it great. took 30 minutes to get the tinder <laughs> in my palm. But well, yeah. not if you uh, get your little feather sticks going and, you know, the the whole the jute twine trick is, oh, yeah. is such a great thing. You yeah. just take some twine and rub it on a rock and get it all frayed up and get a nice little handful of that and then get some... some uh, tinder and just well <laughs> while you're over there messing with all that i'm gonna pull the dryer lint out of my pocket that i pulled out of the lint trap before i left home oh, there you go, go ahead fire yeah, that up take some fire starters with, with my you. lighter <laughs> while you're waiting well dude uh let's get this podcast out let's do it thanks for doing it man absolutely man see you soon yep all right how'd we do Appreciate Sam being here. Thank you guys for being here. Get out there and listen to Sam's stuff. Listen to his Alicia Keys stuff. Listen to stuff he's recorded with Ludacris. Just look it up. It's all all out there. He's great. His Mary J. Blige stuff is awesome. And he's just a pleasure to be around and one of my best friends. Thank you guys for being here. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you real soon next week. Pitchwire. Play me out. (laughs) 